thank you for listening to Calvary Aurora's weekly Bible study. We pray as you study through God's Word that you're blessed by God's abounding grace. I love this church. No, it's cool. I like it. It looks cool on me. Um, I love your pastor. He's been an amazing, yeah, Ed and Marie Taylor. Um, they've been family, family to our family. And just uh, your, your staff, the pastors here, uh, the leaders, and just getting to know you guys too. Uh, we really love you guys. We really appreciate you. Uh, you mean a lot to us, your prayers, your encouragement. So uh, I'm just blessed and humbled to be here. Um, the first time that we came here was Easter two years ago. And uh, I couldn't talk because I had vocal cord surgery. And that doesn't really work out well when you're like, okay, I'm supposed to teach the Bible. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to talk again. Um, But uh, yeah, that was great. Did anyone get saved or rededicate their life here this last week for Easter? Anybody? Hand? Anybody? Yeah. Come on. Yes. God is moving in your midst. Uh, We are so excited to see what God's going to do in your life. God has great plans for you, and he's going to use you mightily. And so I, ha- I had you guys in mind, uh, you new believers, of you're like, okay, now I'm saved. Uh, now what? I'm supposed to go to church and stuff. So uh, what's church all about? Well, uh, well, that's what we're going to talk about. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, we're going to see the beginning of the church and what they were all about and why they did what they did. And what, we're going to look really at four major things in verse 42, but I want to get the context uh, of what the church was about and why we're doing what we're doing. So for you new believers, uh, this one's for you, but also for us that have been walking with the Lord, uh, just as a refresher. You know, it's not, sometimes we get in the motions, right? It's Wednesday night or, or it's the weekend and it's time to go to church. But there's a reason. We should be passionate about Jesus' bride. We should be passionate about what God is doing here in our generation and in your local church body. So if you could, turn to Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 40. It says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone who had need. So continually, daily, with one accord, in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for what you have done, Lord, how you have created the church, Lord, how you have created a community, Lord, for us to seek your face together. God, and we are here, we are here to see you more clearly, Jesus, we want to become more like you, and God, we ask that you would move mightily, not just tonight, Lord, but in our generation through this fellowship, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, why do we go to church? Let's look right at it real quick. Um, Just context in Acts chapter 2. This is the beginning of the church. Jesus is resurrected. He floats into the sky. And before he floats into the sky, he tells his disciples to go and to make uh, disciples of all nations. And then he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you power to be a witness all around the world, starting here with home. And so they are, you know, they're looking into the sky like, our best friend just left. He floated into the sky. And then for 10 days, they go into the upper room. The 12 become 120, and they're praying for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit falls upon the church. They start speaking in languages. Uh, They start saying praise to God. And all these people that have been traveling around for Passover, and now it's the Pentecost feast, are there, and they're hearing the praises of God in their own languages. And like, what's going on with these guys? These guys are hitting, you know, Grandpa's old, uh, you know, cough medicine a little too hard. He's like, Peter stands up and says, no, we're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit falling upon the church. This is what, I, this is what uh, the prophet said was going to happen, and that he would anoint um, young men and women with, with the Holy Spirit. And then he starts to preach a message, and you know, he, he preaches at him and says, you killed Jesus. And then by the end of the message, they're like, okay, what do we do to be saved? Just tell us what to do. And so that's where we get here in verse 40. It says, and with many other words... He testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Um, So here in verse 40, we see that he spoke with many other words. We get about 20 verses of his sermon. And so it's biblical to hear long sermons. Amen? Only preachers are like, yeah! (laughs) You guys are like, come on, man. It's it's nighttime. Let's go. But also, it says that he testified and exhorted. Uh, Exhorted is parakleto. That's the comforter or strengthening. And we trust that the Holy Spirit is going to speak. That we're going to speak forth the word of God. But the Holy Spirit is going to anoint that and going to speak to you. Even things that I may not say, uh, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And so he's comforting you maybe when you're hurt. He's convicting you maybe if you're walking in a life of sin. He is doing the work, even though we are speaking on behalf of him. And it says, Peter says, be saved. The word saved there in the Greek is sozo. It means to be made whole. And so you might think like saved, okay. Uh, Saved from what? Uh, That's like a Christian jargon. Like, are you saved? You washed in the blood? You going to, you know, like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Uh, Well, saved is to be made whole. And I think, too, you know, this is to be made back into our original uh, intent. You know, that we are supposed to be having a relationship with God. That's who he made us for. He made us so he can fill us. He made us so he can love us. He made us so he, he can use us. And sin hinders that. And so now he's saying, be saved from sin. And he says this, from a perverse generation. And perversity uh, is wickedness or being crooked. And even as we just prayed for, human trafficking. I'm not sure what the number is, but a couple years ago, it was 27 million slaves around the world. How is that possible? That's perverted. That's disgusting. And so it wasn't just 
a perverse generation back then in the first century Judea. It wasn't just a perverse generation, you know, in the 1960s. It's a perverse generation today. And it says in the end times that it's going to get worse and worse. In fact, Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this, in the last days that perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such turn away. And so this is the message of the Bible, that the church, we are to be separate. And we are born into sin because of Adam and Eve, because they ate of the, tr- of the fruit. Now every single person is born into sin, born into a perverse generation. And it's our call to say, come out of that generation. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful. I'm so thankful for, that I can be saved. Right? Hallelujah. That we can be saved from our sin. And we want to invite people to come into this family. That's what church is. It's not, you know, holier than thou and we get into our four walls or whatever. No, we come in here to be encouraged, to be reminded that we are different, that we are saved, that we have a Savior, and that we want other people to know that Savior. And so we get equipped here, right, amen, to use our gifts out there, not to be afraid of those people, but to live amongst them as Jesus did. Verse 41, it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized... And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. I like this. They gladly received his word. And I don't know about you, but when we come to church, we should anticipate, God, you are going to speak to me. I'm gladly going to receive this word that you are speaking to me, that God is going to have something in the time, whether you're, you're joyful and you're celebrating or whether you're grieving and you're going through a trial, God is going to speak to you and to gladly receive. This isn't just a word from me. This is a word from God. We're we're reading God's word and to anticipate and to gladly receive the word of God. It also says that they're baptized. This is an outward demonstration of an inward change. Now you're showing everybody around you, I'm Jesus's person. I'm a Christian. I'm, the old man is washed away, and now I'm starting a new life. It's not, it doesn't save you. Uh, trusting in Jesus and calling upon his name through faith and grace alone saves you. But baptism is a command, and it just shows everyone around us what Jesus has done. It also says that about 3,000 souls were added to them. Something cool about Pentecost is the first Pentecost is 50 days after the, pa- the Passover. Penta is 50, right? And so the Passover is when the Israelites go out of Egypt and God saves the nation. And then they get up to the Mount Sinai and God gives them the Ten Commandments. And on that day, uh, 3,000 people were actually killed because of uh, their worship of the golden calf, and the the Levites stood up and said, we're going to be separated from this perverse generation. And Moses said, okay, do something about this. And then they all repented. And so that day was a day of judgment. That day was a day remembering the law. See, this day is the first day of the church. And it wasn't a day of judgment. It wasn't a day of the law. It was a day of grace. It was a day of salvation, where 3,000 people got... um, 
killed, you know, back in the day, where God said, I'm doing a new thing, and I'm going to save 3,000 people. I'm going to start my church here today. And I, I like this, too, that it's not people we're added, but it's souls. And we, that's how we got to see people. We got to see they have a soul. God loves that soul. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, God loves you. He wants to save you. And so we're not just about people. We are about souls being saved and, and seeing them discipled. Verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now we're going to go kind of in depth here. Um, at the very end, so I'm going to skip this verse, but there's, there's four reasons or four things that you should expect when you come to church, and we'll see that in just a moment. So skip to verse 43. It says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Fear came on every soul, I think because people were seeing the power of God. You know, when you have someone... Uh, they call them a fanatic, where you can't change their mind and they won't change the subject. And all they're talking about is Jesus. And it's not just talking about Jesus, but showing Jesus. And God is moving through them and, and doing these wonderful things. And so that's where I see, like, people aren't just, like, afraid. Like, oh, there comes the Christians. But, like, oh, man, it's going to rub off on me. Like, Jesus is real in their life. They, they really love God. They really love people. Their lives have been completely changed. And uh, maybe they're afraid of of giving their lives over to the Lord, but it shouldn't be a scary thing. Um, it says that many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles. And I'm down with that. I'm down with miracles. God is, God is alive and well, and, and he is working through his people. And uh, I think first, though, is that we need to remember that Peter just preached a sermon, that the word comes before the wonders. And when we see Jesus too, let's take his example of feeding the 5,000, that he taught all day. First, he gave the word and he fed people spiritually, and then he did the wonder of making wonder bread. Um, thanks for laughing. <clears throat> yeah. I think the word needs to be foundational. Um, again, I was actually, I mentioned to our, my church that, you know, I, I want to see God move. I want to see God move in power, not just to, to, to preach the word, but I want to see God in a tangible way. And in fact, on Thursday, um, I had shingles last Monday, and super, super fun. And uh, oh, you know, and so I had it for a couple days, and uh, we had Easter this week, and I had a sermon to preach and all that stuff. And so we have a home Bible study on Thursdays. And before everyone left, uh, one of the guys said, hey, you know what, let's pray for a pastor. And let's anoint him with oil. And I was healed. Right? Come on. Now, I'm down with that. God is alive. But my foundation of my faith isn't, I'm not going to go like next Thursday, okay, I need another miracle. I need to make sure that God's alive. No, my foundation is the word of God. I don't wake up asking God, what's the next miracle you can do in my life? No, I've only been healed one time. Uh, but I go to the word daily. And so for us, there, there's kind of a wave that's going through the church today, especially in America, where people are looking for signs and wonders. But we need the word. We need to eat upon the word. We need our foundation on our faith upon the word. But God still does signs and wonders and proving that he is alive and well. Amen? Amen? Verse 44 and 45. Now all who believed were together 
and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. I like, I like this verse. It says they were together. The necessity of community. That's what this church is all about. That's what church is, is made for. God, God put this in the heart of humanity. Uh, we're always looking for how do we connect with each other? How do we have friendship with each other? Well, the church is ordained by God. And he says, I'm going to build my church even up against the gates of hell. No society, no company, no organization will last like the church will last. Every single thing will diminish, but not the church. And honestly, we need each other. We were made for each other to encourage one another. Even uh, as God made Adam, he said, it's not good that man should be alone. Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires and rages against all wise, unwise judgment. And so, or it's actually rages against all wise judgment. At the end of that chapter, in verse 24, it says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. No, I didn't. I think I copy and pasted both verses. Okay, you can look it up. <laughs> chapter 18, verse 24, it says something. Uh, <laughs> Proverbs 18.1, if we just want to be by ourselves, that's not good. You need people, and, and they need you. You have a part to play here. And so, obviously, you guys are here. <laughs> uh, you know, hopefully it's not to go through the motions, but it is not just to receive from the Word of God, but it's also to give out and use your gift because God has gifted you. And it says they had all things in common here in verse 44 of chapter 2 in Acts. Now, before I, I talk about this, like, okay, so the church is supposed to, like, sell everything, and we're all supposed to live together and, like, just sing kumbaya and live on a big ranch out there in Longmont. I don't know. Um, I did this, actually. So uh, me and my wife, we were really young and uh, didn't have a lot of life experience, and so we're like, yeah, let's join a band and all live together and sell all of our stuff and do music for free. And uh, <laughs> it was super fun. We saw God do amazing things. People got saved. Um, but in my heart, even as, you know, I would, I would preach and, and go from church to church or youth group or um, homeless shelter, I still desired a local body. And so um, I connected, even though we would go and travel around, I, I you know, wanted to be discipled. I wanted to be fed. I wanted to connect with a local congregation with where, where, we, let, where we lived. And my pastor, um, who's uh, Pastor John Randall over there in, in uh, San Juan, we had dinner with him. And I'm just telling him, like, oh, bro, it's like the book of Acts. Like, it's so crazy. People are getting healed, and, and we're just loving each other. We sold all of our stuff. He's like, that's good. That's good. You know, you never see that again in the book of Acts. In fact, the church went bankrupt because they did that. I was like, oh. He's like, brother, you need to get a job. <laughs> you got another baby on the way. Come on. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, man. Um, so they did. They sold their possessions and their goods. But here's why, practically. Remember, it's the second biggest festival of the year, the, the festival of Pentecost. And so you have people traveling around the whole world coming to this to celebrate what God did in giving the law. And now you have 3,000 new believers and they can't just go back home to another church. There are no churches. 
There's only one church. It's in Jerusalem. And so there, practically, they need to learn what the apostles' doctrine was. They need to learn what's this new thing that God's doing. Who's this guy? Jesus, right? And so what they did is to sell all their stuff to make sure everyone was provided for, and it was a beautiful thing. And it worked here, but it's never mentioned again in the book of Acts. And so I wouldn't say, hey, you become a Christian? You're signing up for a commune. Uh, that's not what we do here. And so there is a necessity of generosity, and we do want to get this message out. And so we, we give generously because God gave generously. And we think of even Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. It says, how shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a, a, a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And so we need generous people. We need people that are not just willing to go, but also willing to send. Verse 46 of chapter 2 in Acts, it says, So continually daily with one accord in the temple, by breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I love this how it says continually or continuing daily. Um, for me, when I became a Christian, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to stay faithful to you, Jesus. This thing's hard, this holiness thing. And uh, like, I couldn't think like a year down. I couldn't think how much, like, 10 years down, 40 years down. And this really ministered to me. Uh, my college pastor, this was like his mantra, is just abiding. That just, just enjoy Jesus today. That it's a daily thing. Don't worry. Jesus said, tomorrow has enough worry. You, you know, today has enough worries for itself. Don't worry about tomorrow or 10 years down the line or 40 years down the line. Keep your eyes on Jesus today. Enjoy Jesus today. And so if you're getting, amen, if you're getting overwhelmed by, you know, what you're going to be doing down the line, just enjoy Jesus today. Because he may come back today. I'm down with that. And it says this, that uh, they were in one accord. This always amazed me, that they can fit 3,000 people in a Honda Accord. Um, the, te <laughs> terror here. the temple and the house. They went from the temple and the house. And so it's not, it's not just coming here. It's connecting with your neighbors. It's connecting with believers throughout the week. Um, and there's like this kick that I hear a lot is, you know, just like, oh, man, we're going back to, to like the book of Acts and we're just chilling in house to house, man. I'm like, well, they also met in the temple. You know, they, they heard from the apostles and, and they, they connected within the big group, but also in smaller groups. And I like this, too, that they ate food with uh, gladness and simplicity of heart. They were foodies back then. I like that. And verse 47, it says, Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And so praise and worship was paramount, that they loved what God was doing in their life, that they would come together and sing together and sing to their king and remembering what God's done. And also it says that they had favor with all the people. This reminds me of Jesus 
when he was 12 years old, uh, he, he went and traveled to Jerusalem. And it says after, you know, he comes back with his family that he grew up and he grew in stature and wisdom and had favor with God and man. And so the same kind of thing, that's what a Christian should be doing. We should be growing spiritually, but also we should be having favor. We should trust the Lord that he wants to use us where we are. Not again, not just in the four walls of the church where you have a place here, you are a member of the body of Christ and you are gifted by Jesus, but also God has placed you where you are, wherever you work, wherever your neighborhood is or who your family is. God wants to use you there and have favor there. And I love this. This is the main reason why the church is so important, why we gather together. It says that the Lord added to the church daily. The reality is, if someone dies and doesn't know Jesus Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. And so we want to get this message out. We want to love people into the kingdom. We want to love people into the family of God. We want to love people so they see Jesus, the same Jesus that saved our souls. And so that's why the church is so, so important. If you could, let's spend the next just a uh, few minutes. That means 45. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do another 45 minutes. Um, if you could look at verse 42. And we're going to look at what should you expect when you come to church. Uh, I see... Four, four pillars here. Maybe you guys have heard a study here, and this might be familiar and just a reminder. But what should you expect when you come to church? There's four things here in this verse. First is the word. Second is fellowship. Third is the breaking of bread. And fourth is prayer. Acts 2, verse 42. I'll read it, and then we'll pick it apart. It says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and the breaking of bread and in prayer. So first, what is the church? Well, it says they. And uh, I don't know if your mom uh, ever said, you know, because I would be like, Mom, you know, they have cell phones and they get to stay out late. And my mom would be like, I don't know who they is. I've never met they. And I, like, I always didn't like that. And now my son, who's eight, is asking for a cell phone. He's like, oh, the kid, they all have they. I'm like, I don't know they. I've never met they. I've never met they's parents. Um, they is Christians. These are Jesus people. And we follow the perfect man, the God man that came to earth, that lived the perfect life that we could not live. He died the death that we should die on the cross to pay for our sins. And then he rose from the dead, proving that he's God. And so we place our faith in that man. We want to be like that man. We call ourselves little Christs or Christians. And now we have about in this history part of Acts chapter 2, 3,000 new believers. That's who they is. They are the church. The word church is ekklesia. It means a gathering of people. Now, I'm not sure what comes in your mind when you think of the word church. Uh, maybe you think of a building, uh, but the, the church isn't a building. It's a people. In fact, when, when I think of the church, I think of big C, little c. And so you have big C. You have every Christian over every generation, every tribe, tongue, nation, people group that believes in Jesus. They are a part of the church. They are a part of Jesus' family. They are a part of the redeemed. But then you have the little C church, the gathering of people here on earth. And so you have us, Calvary Chapel or Reach or Baptists. And so you have little gatherings, little fellowships of people 
But we want to be big C uh, church thinking people. And so when we think of the church, you also want to think about some of the, the illustrations that the, the Bible gives us. Paul gave us the body, right? So we're the body of Christ. And so I, I'm pretty sure you guys don't have membership. No. Yeah, maybe. No. Uh, if you are a Christian, you are a member. It's not like you're a member of 24-hour fitness, right? It's like you sign up, you get your little club card, and you get dinged in, and so you get to go to the special Bible studies. That's not what happens. You are a member like a member of the body, like an arm, a leg, a nose, an eye, something like that. You are part of a living organism where Jesus is the head, and you are a part, a small part, just like me. And so we make up the body of Christ, and this is, how Jesus, this is how people see Jesus. People see Jesus through us, through the body of Christ. Also, you think of another illustration is a bride, and Jesus loves his church. Jesus calls us the bride of Christ, and he died for his bride, and he sees his bride as perfect. And so, I love the church, and it says that they continued steadfastly. Um, this word steadfastly, it's, it's continued steadfastly, is one Greek word. It means to adhere to, to consistently preserve, to not faint, to be courageous. It's to stand your ground. It's to have some grit. And uh, I think we live in uh, a place where if you're inconvenienced, you just changed. If you're inconvenienced at your restaurant, you leave, you don't go back there. If you're inconvenienced at, you know, a business, then you go for a better business deal. We even see this in families where if you're inconvenienced by your spouse, I met my soulmate. Like, no, you, you be steadfast. You made a lifelong commitment. And the first century church had this. They had grit. They had commitment. They had urgency, a patriotism, if you could say, for the kingdom of heaven. And so we should live to hear these six words, well done, good and faithful servant. And so let's look at these four things. What to expect when you come to church. The first thing is the word. You should expect to hear Bible teaching says the apostles' doctrine. This means the teaching of God's word. Apostle means messenger. Doctrine is teaching or instruction. And so you have these apostles, these 12 guys that walked with Jesus, that heard Jesus, that taught the things that Jesus said. And uh, that's what they are speaking. And so what is doctrine? Doctrine is a belief or set of beliefs taught by a group. Or you can say it's a creed, a teaching, or an ideology. And everybody believes some kind of doctrine. Uh, if you go to a college, uh, you are hearing doctrine. You are hearing the professor's uh, ideology and hear them preach. If you are in a conversation, you are hearing your friends preach about what they believe, or even media, and you're hearing what the, the world is saying and preaching to you. And so the Christian church is to hear Christ preached. And it's not literally just some dude up here preaching. It's literally Christ preaching through us. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, We are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. So why is teaching so important? Why do we put uh, our main part of our service is here to listen to Bible teaching? Well, Tertullian, he's a second century church father, he said this, quote, 
You can judge the quality of their faith from the way that they behave. Discipline is an index to doctrine, end quote. Pretty much, you do what you believe. And so if you hear the word of God, you're going to be acting more like Jesus. And so that's why we listen to Bible teaching. We want to become more like Jesus. Even Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for cor- correction, instruction, in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Jesus wants to equip his people. That's why we give so much attention here in Calvary Chapel and throughout the ages of church uh, that they listen to Bible teaching because it makes us more like the God of the Bible. And so maybe when you're thinking about Bible teaching, you might be thinking about eating. Maybe you're thinking about eating right now. You're like, yeah, have second dinner in just a minute. Um, But I think about it. You don't remember every meal. At least I don't remember every meal. And so when we sit under teaching, uh, we need every meal. We need to hear the word of God. Because if you don't eat, you won't grow physically, you will die. Same thing spiritually. You need the word of God, not just to have someone feed you, but for you to feed yourself and to be reading the word of God and filling yourself with it. In fact, Chuck Smith, he's the founder of Calvary Chapel. His whole mantra is he said, I want the best fed, the best loved sheep. That's our whole thing, is we want to love people, and we want to feed people the Word of God. Yes, that's worth clapping for. <clears throat> so what do you, why do we come to church? What should we expect to hear? Four things. First, the Word. Second is fellowship. The word fellowship is koinonia. It means association, community, intimacy, to be fit together. Uh, partnership. There's no really one word that you have for fellowship. I guess really the best way that I remembered fellowship is you have a bunch of fellas on a ship. That's fellowship. No, uh, what fellowship is not is just not hanging out. Like we just put, okay, I'm going to, that's fellowship. We're going to hang out because we're Christians or, you know, I'm going to join the left-handed basket weavers ministry or the ring. That's the Fellowship of the Ring, marriage ministry. What is fellowship? Hanging. But the purpose is to encourage each other in Jesus. We want to spur one another on. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, Do not forsake the gathering of ourselves together as some others do, but spurring one another on and so much more as you see the day approaching. And so Jesus is coming back soon. We want to make this a priority in our life. We want to make the Word of God a priority in our life. We want to make hanging out with each other and encouraging one another in Jesus. And I'm going to be straight up with you. The the number one excuse that I hear in Boulder uh, of why people don't go to church, the mountains are my church, man. I'm like, okay, I understand that. Uh, The mountains, I love the mountains too. I see the Lord there. Um, But you need to gather with other Christians. Um, God God loves his church and wants us to gather together. And so I just think of it this way. Um, I use the illustrations of Bronco worshipers. Do we have any Bronco worshipers in the house? I'm not going to call myself a Bronco worshiper. Well, some of you may love the Broncos, right? 
you have your John Elway jersey, and you have a personal relationship with the Broncos. And sometimes when they're playing, you gather from house to house, and you watch the Broncos, and you worship the Broncos from house to house. And sometimes you go to Sports Authority, and you go to the temple where you worship in all the excitement of the Broncos. And so taking that, we think of it ourselves. We have our own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our champion. We worship, we love him. He, we are all about Jesus. We have taken off the Broncos jerseys and we put on crucified jerseys. And then we go from house to house and we fellowship throughout the week and we encourage each other in Jesus, our savior and champion. And then we come together and we worship loud and we are excited what God's doing in each other's lives. And we worship and we seek Jesus together because we are Jesus worshipers. And so we go from the temple, the, ca- the corporate big gatherings, but also house to house, whether that's home Bible studies or coffee shops or small groups or ministries. And you guys have so many ways to get plugged in here. And I encourage you, I encourage you, I implore you not just to come here and get fed, but open up your life. God's going to use you. Get plugged into these ministries. Uh, op- you know, get, get the announcements. And guys, you have so many opportunities to be fed and get encouraged and grow in Jesus and be discipled, but also to disciple somebody else and to encourage somebody else. And so I encourage you guys, please get into fellowship, not just here uh, during the week, but all throughout. And just my own personal experience, when I got saved, I lost all my friends within two weeks, and I thought I had wonderful relationships. But once I took on the Jesus jersey, everyone's like, ah, we ain't doing that thing, man. And so I went into this small church at Calvary Chapel in Northern California, and they loved me. And I had nothing to do with it. Like, I I I didn't get along with them. I didn't look like them. But we became such wonderful friends and spurred one another on in ministry. And many of us launched on to doing ministry. And I'm I'm thankful for the church. Uh, I'm thankful for your church. I'm thankful that we came here not knowing anybody. And we, we came to this fellowship. And you guys loved on us. And you guys encouraged us. And I thank you guys, truly. And so Jesus has given us each other. When you come to church, you should expect to hear Bible teaching. You should expect to be loved practically. And third thing is the breaking of bread. Uh, The word there is agape feast or show bread. And uh, you think like eating is a foundation of the church? Yes, it's a good thing, right? Calorie chapel. Um, Thank you, Jesus. Eating is a big deal, especially in in this culture. Um, when someone would eat with someone, it's saying, I'm becoming like you. You're becoming like me. And like, especially in the Middle Eastern cultures, you guys ever eaten, like gone to Israel? It's like, you know, pita bread and you're just dipping in all these sauces. And then, you know, they put it in their mouth, but they don't take a bite. They're just like, you know, and then double dip. Like, oh man, that's nasty, bro. You know, double dipping. But it is. It's like, whatever you got, I'm getting, I'm catching what you get, you know, um, It was a big deal, but really in their culture, it was intimate, and it showed that we are each other. We we are practically becoming like one, and so you have, you know, obviously eating food um, and being grateful for God's provision, not just financially, but relational, relational, 
uh, provision, for spiritual provision that God gave us all salvation, that we are brothers and sisters and we're growing together. But there's a meal that Jesus instituted. And I believe this is what they're talking about. Obviously, they ate together, but I believe too, just like we did tonight, the communion table, that every time we gather, you guys are biblical here. This is what you guys do. You guys do. This church is the, this is the pillar of this church. You guys teach the word. You guys, amen? You guys fellowship with one another. I, I'm, I get to be a recipient of that. And also you guys are taking of communion and you guys obviously pray. But the communion table is to remember Jesus, to be reminded of why, why we are who we are, why we take on the name of Jesus, that he died for our sins, the, the way that he went to the cross and how he was beat and how he was scourged and how his, his skin was taken off of his body. And then how the bread is pierced and how he was pierced for our transgressions and nailed onto a tree. And we remember what he did for us, but also the blood, the cup reminding us that our sins are washed away. That because of what Jesus did, I have faith in that. It's not by works that I'm saved. It's by grace that I'm saved. And now I am saved by the blood of Jesus. And when I stand before God, it's because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. It's worth clapping for. And also he said to remind us that Jesus is coming back. He said, guys, I'm going to take this cup again with you, but in my kingdom. And so be prepared. Be prepared. And so that's the message that we want on our lips, is Jesus died for the sins of the world. He died for me. He died for you. Come and join this family. Four things to expect when you come to church. The word, fellowship, breaking of bread, and lastly, number four, prayer. The word prayers is speaking to God or having a place of offerings. And again, you do all these things well. You guys are led well. Uh, the fact that you take every Wednesday night 10 minutes out of, out of the evening to pray with each other. This is something that I need to learn from you guys. And so when I first heard the word prayer, um, it was synonymous with nap. And so it's like, hey, let's go take, let's go pray. Like, okay, I'm ready for a nap. Yeah. Um, and everything changed for me when I see Jesus and his approach to prayer. If you remember, the disciples asked him, they didn't ask him, how, how do you cast out demons? How do you multiply bread? How do you teach? No, the only thing they asked, Jesus, how do you pray? That's where your power is coming from. And Jesus said, well, you pray like this, Father, as we're talking to our perfect dad, that he's always listening to us, that we have this deep relationship with our maker, and he's waiting, anticipating for us to speak with him. And uh, I think if you want to learn how to pray, well, you just look at a little kid with their daddy and, and see how approachable that kid comes to their dad. And so that's the same way that we come to the Lord. And uh, it's our intimacy, it's our privilege, it's where power comes from. And I want to close with this. Uh, if you want to take note of how to pray, it's praying through acts. Maybe you guys have heard this. A-C-T-S. The first thing, A, is a door. And we start by, Lord, I just love you. God, you are so wonderful. The things that you have made blow my mind. God, how you have saved me. I'm so unworthy. You are so good to me. And just to adore the Lord and enjoy him. The second thing is C, confession. Uh, confession means to say the same thing. And you just say, God, I have sinned. 
I have done this thing. Lord, I, I want to do this, but I know your word says that I shouldn't. Or Jesus, forgive me of the thing that I just did. The third thing, T, is thanksgiving. Thank you for making me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving me the hope of heaven. Thank you for using me, for providing for me, for my family. There's so much to be thankful for. And the last thing here is supplication. It's Lord, help. I think that's a good prayer. God, help me. Um, save my neighbor. Show mercy. God, I, I, need, I need help in my work situation, my family situation. And so that's always helped me is praying through acts, adoration, confection, thanksgiving, and supplication. So there's the four pillars, four things to expect when you come to church. Number one, the word. Number two, fellowship. Number three, breaking of bread. And number four, prayer. And we are called to be a people that go to a church, to be a part of the bride of Christ, to be a part of the body of Christ. Obviously, you guys are here on a Wednesday night, but hopefully uh, that encourages you. If you didn't know what church is all about, we're all about Jesus and growing in Jesus together and letting the world outside these four walls know about Jesus. And may it uh, rise a passion within us who maybe we guys been walking with the Lord for some time and we have a passion for his bride. We have a passion not just for, you know, the little C church, but a passion for Jesus and his church and the things that he wants to do in our lives. And so, honestly, the, the ultimate goal here is, is seen in that last verse of chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We met Jesus. He saved us. And we want other people to meet Jesus, our wonderful Savior. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's pray and uh, sing to the Lord. In fact, if you guys can just keep your, your heads bowed. If there's anyone here that isn't a part of this church, that isn't a Christian, and you would like to become a Christian, tonight is the night. Today is the day of salvation and I encourage you to call upon the name of the Lord. And so we want to give you a chance to become a part of the family. We want to rejoice with you uh, as the angels rejoice when only one sinner comes to know Jesus. So is there anyone here today, tonight, that doesn't know Jesus, that isn't sure when you die, you will go to heaven, that isn't a Christian, and you would like to be? If you would like to tonight, raise your hand. Step out in faith. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Is there anyone here tonight at all that wants to become a Christian, that wants to be a part of the family of God? Anyone at all? All right. Wonderful. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your church, Lord. Give us a passion for you, Jesus. Give us a passion for your church, God, we ask that you would use us. Lord, we ask that each person that is here, Lord, would, would be discipled, but also disciple someone else, Lord. We ask that you would continue to use this fellowship, Lord, that you would add to the church daily in this place, Lord. And so use us all. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
We pray that you've been touched by this study from Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call area code 303-628-7200. Be blessed this week in the Lord.